Okay, so in yesterday's shear, today we learned Chaf, uh, but in yesterday's shear, we were learning the case of Zira's Meiser and seeing if it connected to the definition of a Asara Babetza. And we came to the conclusion that wasn't the case, but I, I left one question open where I, where I wasn't so comfortable, if you recall. So I'm just going to go over that last little bit again, because I was able to find an answer. I'll show you in a moment. So we said if um, the configuration of Ribzira, where you require enough times four, if you like, to have your 10 babetza. We assume maybe that that is that the case. We said that if you if you uh, if you don't include double data kerim around it, we said it's going to be smaller than a babetza by 552 square amot. So the Gemara says, well, if you want to stretch them apart, spread them out a bit further, you don't have a kerim anymore. In temakam or flagot, we say bichodotan. Then we suggested, but once again, if you do include the outside, initially we said you had too much, 518 extra square armor. So why don't we just bring in, in Tema Barotsef, why don't you just bring them in? And Baruch, here you have your quadratic equation that you asked for. This is how you calculate exactly uh, what, what, what would be the spacing, the initial spacing between the vines in order that you would actually turn out to be a beatsa according to his arrangement. There's a mass that you look at over in your own time if you like, but it's 7.149 amot apart. So that at the end between these ones is just under 7 point, sorry, 14.3 amot. That would be the thing. So but then the Gemara said that, but it says, Lo Tanina, didn't we learn Eser Gefanim And I didn't really have a good explanation. I didn't really understand Reb Chaim. However, I, right here, I looked up in the art scroll after, and our scroll says, he, they quote the Chazonish, and they say that the problem with that is it seems to be a Beitze as a maximum, okay? But it seems, but if 17.149, well, we know, according to his example, you could space them even more than that and have 10 that would take up even more than a Beitze. So that's why it doesn't fit with the Mishnah, okay? That, that's, that, that, if you remember last time, I wasn't satisfied with the explanation here. I think that's a nice explanation to explain why it doesn't work if you try and squish them in, because then Beitzah is no longer a maximum. The maximum would re really be uh, Beitzah plus 518 square amount, okay? And that was that was yesterday's year. Okay, fine. Let's go today. Okay. This is now, we're starting from Kermshun Natua Erbuvia. So Hakoret Mechaven. Now, so we said if the vineyard is all... Um, not it's sort of all ibuvia, not organized neatly. We said that it is not considered a kerem. So we said, ha ha oh, we're not exactly that. Well, I'll read the, read the lash on the Mishnah. The, um, the Mishnah says, um, it says, Im yesh lech bo lechaven shtaim keneged shtaim keneged shalosh, areza kerem. If it's all planted haphazardly, if you can work out and, and find the two like that minimum kerem in the proper configuration, then it has a status of a kerem. So the Gemara asks, If the trunks, the roots, if the trunks are aligned, but the nof, mean the branches are not, then it's a kerem. Then we say eno kerem. So in other words, if the if the branches, the top seem to be all aligned, but the bottom doesn't, then it's not a kerem. In other words, what's important is the trunks, not the top. Okay. What if they, the 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 trunks themselves were were fine and they weren't aligned, but they happened to fill out and get thicker as trees do, as vines do, and as it did so, it actually made them all aligned. Because they all sort of fattened out in different ways, and they all came alight and then it's now a kerem. Now we say it's now the Gemara asks as follows: Kate said, 
How do we know your um, How do we know if they're all aligned or not? So mevichut, you bring a string, umatuach, and you run the string along by the trunks to see if they're all aligned. So in it tani tani, some say it should be mevifnim, vitani tani mebachutz. Now I'm showing you two explanations here. The first is Reb Chaim's. Um, Reb Chaim says bifnim means if you if you got your shtaim connect shtaim vechayot says enough means in between the vines. And mibachutz means outside where the vines are, as you can see on the pictures. That's on the right-hand side is the inside. On the left-hand side is the outside. And then it adds. Um, the shit that says you measure from the inside, you have some flexibility. It doesn't exactly have to touch every single tree in a direct line. You've got a tefach spacing. The shitter that says it's actually on the outside uh, means it has to mamash actually be touching. Now, why? What's the difference? So um, it, uh, I saw this in Luktis uh, Amunah. He explains the difference would be is that from the outside, if you say the critical lining is the outside, then it's more recognizable from the outside whether it's aligned or not. That's why it have to be absolutely perfectly aligned. However, if you're measuring from the inside, then you've got more flexibility of what it means to really be aligned. However, it, 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 what, what's the, the enough is how far can you go in and how, how and outside like, you have to be, but the, there's no enough in the rest. I mean, if you measure, you measure. No, 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 in terms of how aligned they have to be, that, that's quite a big enough community. According to this one, it is enough community. It sounds like how, how aligned they have to be. Yeah, no, it has to be aligned. It has to be stretched, the, the hood. Yes, but in other words, it sounds like. That um, that the difference between the two, the, the next shit you write, you'll you'll see in, in, in the, in the, okay, the, okay, the rush. Okay, okay, okay. The, the rush says it sounds, it sounds to me there's no real nafkamina between the two. But according to this, there seems to be nafkamina in terms of how what what precision of alignment you require. Is there a room for a margin, margin of uh, like flexibility, if you like? Okay. However, the rush actually says bifnim and bechutz is a bit like this. Bifnim means inside that row, so you can see it's sort of like that. That's why you've got a tefach, whereas um, whereas mibachutz he explains is sort of running in between the jagged row. So really, they seem to be saying exactly the same thing. Because if it's running in between, it has to be touching all of them. And if it's uh, and if it's if it's um, if it's actually next to sort of inside, meaning bifnim means between the actual two rows and a row of interest, then you've got the flexibility of amar. But it seems to be look like they're saying really the same thing. Okay, that's just the rush cerulean. Not just, but that's, I'm giving you another explanation. Okay. Now we ask as follows. So if you have the Shura Chitzonah that's not actually aligned with the rest of them. So you can see in our picture, you've got a nice aligned vineyard. And the last row seems to be sort of slid across. A bit like a um, sort of connect four when you have that thing where you can start sliding them across. It's a, with a bonus connect four. That's sort of what you've done on the top row. Um, and um, what the Mishnah says is, that's not considered necessarily part of the Kerem. Importantly, you'll see in a minute. So therefore, you simply leave six Tfachim from those ones on the outside, and you can plant around it. In other words, normally, from the, on, over these ones on the sides, part of the real Kerem, you have to leave four Amot. These ones aren't considered necessarily because it's not part of the Kerem, because it's not so therefore, you have to leave, you treat them as individual ones. Now, you come out to a very interesting conclusion. Amber Rav Yossi says, if you plant within six tfachim of the outer row, well, clearly the outer row is going to be asur. 
But because it sort of slid across and pushed down a bit, if it's within four amot of the actual nicely configured kerem, it'll make the kerem asur as well. That's why it says akol asur. Will really be the first two rows according to Beit Hill, if, if you recall. If it's now, this is fascinating now, because what happens if it's chutz, what if it's a chutz l'shisha gefanim? What if it's a distance of more than six tfachim? Six tfachim is an ama, okay? So six, it's more than six tfachim from that, but it's still within four amot from the actual rest of the kerem. Okay, so if you can imagine, the end row is really quite close to the actual, the nicely configured kerem. In that situation, we say, hagfanim mutarot. These individual gefanim, since they're six tfachim away from the, the, the wheat that was planted, they'd be mutar. But the kerem that's technically further away from, um, to, from the wheat, that would be, because it's within four amot, it would be asur. It would make a, a would be asur. Now we need to remember this case for later, um, as you'll see. Now the Gemara says, dal. So, so the Gemara asks, dal, meaning it's more like a rhetorical question. <coughs> I'll read your It's not Ezehu, it's like Zehudal is the Shinogirsa. It's it bit mea. Why is this Kerem called Dal? Why is it considered poor? You've got all this space now because the, the, the Gefanim are so spaced apart. This Kerem Dal, we said, if it's so spaced apart and there's not much left, then you can start planting. Why is it considered poor? So he says, yes, it's Dal Gefanim, meaning it's poor, meaning poor of vines. However, but yes, indeed, you have a lot of extra space to now plant in it because you don't have to leave for, for Amot. All you have to leave is six Tawachim for each, each individual ones. Okay, now let's look at Mishnah Bet. Sorry, Halacha Bet. It says, Kerem Shehu Natua Al Pachot Me'arbamot. What if you have a very densely packed vineyard? Now, in that situation, if it's less than four Amot, what's going to happen? You're going to pull out those ones in between because it's not viable. They have to be at least be spaced four apart. So, Rebbe Shimon Omer, if that's the case, the whole thing's not considered a Kerem. It's a, the whole thing's absolutely not considered a kerem. All you have to need is six tfachim from the edge. Have a chachamim says, chachamim, no, it is a kerem. You just view in You just view those middle ones as if they're not there. So let's say you've got like, well, we'll see an example in a minute. Let's say six rows and they're all two apart. What you do is you just view those every second row as if it's not there and you have a kerem. Simple as that, because it's going to be pulled out anyway. So amalehem rebi, um, this is now the Gemara fleshing out the discussion, the debate. It says, He says, the Rebbe Shimon says, but one second, you're saying we just view those ones, or every second one, if you like, as if it's not there. But how can you do that? Maybe those are the ones that are go, going to stay and there'll be other ones that are going to be pulled out. You don't know which ones are going to stay and which ones are going to go. So, so therefore, that's what Rabbi Shimon says. You can't view it as a kerem. It's not a kerem yet because you don't know what's going to be your viable kerem at the end of the day. So you can't simply say we just view every all, all the sec, every second one as if it's gone. Now, so Abba Rabbi Hananya, Rabbi Hananya says as follows. Hada Amra, what's this machloket? The machloket is only kishu shisha keneged shisha. That's when there's, as you can see here in the picture, six by six. Because in that situation... Rebbe, Rebbe Shimon says, well, look, I don't know, is it the, what's going to be the remaining, uh, remaining kerem? Is it the blue ones or is it the green ones, as you can see? Is it every even selection or every odd selection? Okay. Um, that's why that's machlok, but Chachamim says, still, still say, if it was five by five against five, 
Then clearly, then quite clearly, Rabbi Shimon would even agree that what <coughs> that it, it's, we know which ones are going to be the one that's pulled out in order for it to be a kerem. It's going to be again if it's one, two, three, four, five, it'll be two and four that's going to be pulled out, as you can see in the picture. That's the way Rabbi Hananya understands the debate. However, Ramana understands it at the absolute opposite. He says, Ramana says, how did the team when's the machloket? The machloket is only when it's chamesh keneged chamesh, five against five. Then still Rabbi Shimon says it's not considered a kera. Because again, you don't necessarily know which are going to stay. No, yeah, fine. Then we say, um, well, how do you read that? Um, Rab Chaim says, uh, uh, I probably should know Girsa. Yeah, there's probably Girsa McGraw. I think he, he says Elu Elu as opposed to Elu Elu or, or Elu Elu. That's the way you'd read it. In other words, Ramana says, when's the machloket in a mission? The machloket in a mission is when you've got two rows of five. However, in the, if you've got two rows of six, then even the Chachamim would agree with Rabbi Shimon since you cannot identify which of these, as I said, the blue or the green. Um, circles is going to be the vineyard and that's why Chachamu would agree that it doesn't have the status of a Karen. So in other words, what we see between Rab Manor and Rabbi Chia is a machlok regarding when, when the machlok is in our Mishnah. Is it when it's six, two rows of six or is it two rows of five? Now, the Gemara asks the next question. We'll get to this picture in a minute. It says, what does it mean? Okay, according to Chachamim, whichever way you understand when the Chachamim agree, or even Rabbi Shimon perhaps agrees, that, um, that we view the, the ones that are too densely packed as if they're not there, and we're assuming we can identify them, then what does that even mean? So Amar of Huna Rav Huna says, Shumuta that it's, we view it as if it's not even a vine, such that what you can do, we can even, let's say it's in gruesome branches, you'd be able to have those branches hanging over Wheat, which normally cannot do by a vine, which is a tremendous, tremendous chiddush, meaning kilo enam as if it's not even a vine for hadlotam. However, Amar of Mana, Rav Ramana says oh, he actually disagrees. That's why Rabbi Chaim explains it. Says no, hadamesailahu da Amar Rabbi Yossi. Let's go back to what we saw Rabbi Yossi previously uh, up above. So what's this case of Rabbi Yossi? Let's go back to it. Rabbi Yossi's case, if, if, if you recall, we had a nicely made vineyard and then the top row was like slid across cross and pushed down, pushed down closer to the vineyard. That's kind of what it was like. And we said that what? If you plant within six fachim of that row, that row becomes what? That row becomes asu. Now that's despite the fact if you do the mathematics, that that row is within four amot of the actual kerem. So according to uh, all principles, that row, since it's too close, would have been lamei karakai, would have been pulled out of the ground. Okay? and But nonetheless, we still say if you plant within six tfachim, it would make those that slid across row at the top, it will make all those vines asur. Mashmawat, therefore, we quite clearly see that even though it's Lamei Karakai, even though we're going to pull it out to the ground, it's still considered a Geffen and it's still considered, uh, it would be asked to plant within six Tfachim. Um, in, in other words, it's important. So, what does it mean, Kilo Eino? It doesn't really mean as if it's like disappeared if it's not there. Absolutely not. It's just Kilo Eino that we can, again, we can now view a densely packed vineyard as if it's a proper Kerem. 
like we, we, in other words, to give it a status of a Karen, but not to make them, if you like, invisible. Okay? Or as if they're not there. Okay. Next. Shimon Baraba, Beshem Rebbe Yochanan, Keshem Shehen Chalokim, Kan Kachelokim Beshchunat Kvarot. Now, what's a Shchunat Kvarot? You might remember this from Bava Batra, I think, but it's it's quite clearly discussed in Masechta Ohalot. The way they used to bury people was in, in uh, Ma'arot, like caves. And what you have in here is, the reason the, the, the reason why the dimensions are impo- important is because these were like standard dimensions. If someone said, in Bava Batra, it says, if someone was contracted to build a Shuna Kvarot, well, what does he have to do? How many Kvarot does he have to dig out from the cave? And how many collections? So if you have a look, it was like a cave into which opened one, two, three, eight different uh, uh, kuchim, they're called. Now, these kuchim were uh, one, one say, one amma wide, and, and I think it was four deep, okay? And inside of it, it was the entrance, if you like, was like six long and I think four wide, as you can see in the picture, okay? And that's how each kuch, if you like, was separated by an amma. So effectively, what we have here is, um, is the open area before the kuchim is four by six. Okay, that's important. And you have all these kuchim planted inside it. Now, what they would do, some, it would also, a shuna kvarot would actually have two. Okay, one configuration you can see on the left, one on the right, and a chatzer, like a, an opening between them, like an entrance area, where one could enter each of these two kuchim. And that was six by six. So that means from one end of one kuch to one, so of ma'ara, to one end of the other, it is, well, six plus six plus six is 18. However, what would happen is if someone found, it's important to understand this, three bodies, they would have to measure. Now we've got, another, if they found one body, you could you don't necessarily make assumptions. Maybe this whole area is a graveyard. If someone in the field found, found three, then you have to be choshesh. Maybe this is a shkunat kvarot. Okay, and then you have to measure, search your field at a 20 amma perimeter around it, uh, radius around, I should say. Why? Because even though it's 18 from one end to the other, you have to include the diagonal because one could be, the one body you found could be here and the next one could be on the opposite side of the other mara, but up a bit. So again, using the hypotenuse and all that jazz, you have to, um, you have to, that to be choshish to search for 20 amod. That's the concept of a shunak kvarot that you have to worry about. Now, the question is, what happens if now all these bodies we said are spaced out about an amma apart? It was buried in an organized fashion. So therefore, if you find three bodies buried in an organized fashion, that's where you have to start searching this, uh, this perimeter. Now, what happens, what we're saying now is that we have a machloket here, and it seems to be the same machloket regarding the um, Kvarot. What are we talking about? That is because what happens if you find bodies that weren't spaced an armor apart? Do we say the same thing? Do we say that well, it's clearly a, it was a, a, a pile of like a, you know, as a result of a battle or something, a whole pile of bodies was just dumped there. And therefore it's not a Shkunak Kvarot. What you found is what you found and that's it. Or do we say that, um, do we say, we see those extra bodies in between as if they're not there. Then we have a nicely organized configuration. You have to be choshesh and search for the full area around. So the Gemara tries to understand that this is exactly, um, this is exactly the same debate. In other words, 
I'll read it. This is If you take the ones in between, a you'll find, and you still find three kvarot. Then it's And therefore, However, Rabbi Shimon says no. You don't. Say, you don't say that. And. Mistam, it's a galnafalalehem. It's something. It was like whole people that were like trapped in a building and it collapsed on them or something like that. That's what you found. You didn't find a proper shunat parod. Okay, that's what we seem to be a line in the debate. Am Rabbi Yona. Rabbi Yona says no. Velod damia. It's not the same. Taman muruvachim v'ratzvam. If it was already muruvachim, meaning you know from the beginning this is a properly properly organized shunat parod, and they happen to add extra bodies there, that wouldn't change anything. If it was Ritzufim, if they're old, there was a whole pile of bodies there, and you know it's because of a collapsed building or something like that, and you happen to extract some, that wouldn't change anything. Which means, um, I have to be careful here, because the way Ruchayim explains it sort of jumps, jumps between topics as, as we go along. Meaning, here, if we're saying, here it's different. We're saying that we already got a pre-existing two densely packed kerem, and they're omdotli and you want to re- and and you're going to remove them. The question is, do we view them as if they're already removed? In other words, the nature of the debate is completely different. Because um, in other words, because bramhachem Rutzufim, if they were if they were densely packed in a case of a kerem, and you moved and you removed some, then divrei kol everyone agrees that it's now a kerem. In other words, once again, if you have a if you have a shchunat kvarot pre-existing and you add stuff to it, it doesn't change anything. If you didn't have a shchunat kvarot, in other words, just a pile of bodies and you just pulled some out, it wouldn't change anything. Our case, it does change things. Meaning, if it was a if it was a two packly dense um, vineyard and you pulled some out, it turns it into a vineyard according to everybody. The machloket is is if you haven't yet pulled it out. Do we view it as if it's pulled out? That's a machloket in our Mishnah. So in the Gemara asks, okay, what's a machloket there in the case of Shkunak Kvarot? In the case of these bodies. So um, Baram, Hacha, meaning uh, in Shkunak, Shkunak Kvarot, Mapligin, what's a machloket? Shabam Metza'an Ritzufim. The machloket there is if you find a whole lot of bodies together. Rabbi Shimon Omer, he says, Omer Ani Gal Nafala Lehem. I say that Minastam, it was a collapsed building. A lot of people unfortunately died as a result. Ver, uh, uh, and it was uh, and it um, brought them all together. However, um, however, um, in other words, no, they were actually originally spaced out. That's our assumption. We've been an earthquake, and and it, and it, yeah, exactly, and the things shifted. <laughs> We once came to Tveria to bury someone yeah. and the cover was full because there had been an earthquake and the other bodies piled up. Ah, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I know I know it happened. That's why I... Okay. Uh, it's actually interesting. That's probably a, a sharper answer. I'll just read Reb Chaim. He says, he says, in other words, we don't know what it was in the beginning. They initially all spaced nicely. It was already a shkunat kvarot. He says, there was intervention, and people just chuck more bodies in there. Right? 
but your earthquake one is uh, another, uh, another another possibility that's side for the Chachamid Yochoshesh. Okay, let's now learn the next Mishnah. We'll begin the next Mishnah. Charech, we've got a, now a ditch that's running through a kerem, shehu over be kerem. We've talked about um, little ditches and furrows and the like in a, in a field, but now we're talking about in a vineyard. So this is a proper ditch that's going through the kerem. If Zamok Asar, it's 10 Tvachim deep, 4 Tvachim wide, Rochav Arba'at, which is normally a good Mechitza, correct? So Rebeliezer ben Yaakov says, email Mufulash, if it runs through the entire vineyard, then you've got no problem. From beginning to end, it's as if it's between two different kramim, and you can treat it as such, and you can plant with the right separation. And Zorin Betocha. The Imlav, if not, meaning this ditch doesn't run the whole way, then it's like a gut, like a press. I'll explain that in a minute. But the important, the important point is, if it's a gut, he agrees, he, he says it's like Shirtachamim, if you like, which we'll see in a moment, that a gut within a vineyard is considered part of the vineyard itself. It's not considered its own distinct space, and you wouldn't be able to plant it. Okay? It'd have to be, you have to get to the Karachatakarim type of dimensions if you wanted to do so. Whatever. Now it continues. Hagatshebekerem, a press in a kerem. Again, it was uh, it was a, a pit in which they used to press their grapes. We say if it's amuka asra varachba arba, if it's ten deep and four wide. Zorim batocha. Then according to Rebbe Yezer here, Rebbe Yezer here is that uh, as opposed to Rebbe Yaakov above, he says then it's its own distinct space. It's ten deep, four wide. Why can't you plant in it? Have a chachamim. However, they say they say osrim. Because now we say that gut, despite the, despite the fact it's 10 deep and four wide, it's battle to the camera, it's considered part of the vineyard itself. So in the next case is Shomera. This is a Shomera, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a hill on which the Shomrim would stand, like to use as a watchtower, to have a look in the vineyard to see, you know, no one's sneaking in the field and trying to steal their grapes. So Shomera Shebekerim, if it's Govoa Asara, if it's 10 high, and four wide, Varachava Arba, it's considered Roshub, Atzman, you can even plant things on it, Vazorim Batova. If, however, the vines were growing over it, then it's then it's mevatel. If you like the mechitza, which is a bit like we saw a fence between two, two vineyards as well. If saar kotesh, it will be asur. Let's just finish the mishnah. Gefen shunatua begat. What happens if you have a gefen that's planted within this gut, within the press itself, or beneka, or in a crack, like a, a hole in the ground? Notinlo According to the first opinion, the first opinion says is what you can do. It's, is you can simply give it, since it's a single vine, give it avodata kerem, which is sixth fachim, as you said, and you can plant the remainder of this of this hole in which it's situated. However, Rabbi Yossi says, Im ein sham arba, am, arba amot, lo lasham. If, you, if there's not four amot space, then you cannot plant in it. Why? Because it's because the neck is chovshin, it's chavush, it's completely surrounded. Then we say it will look like uh, Reb Chaim says mixiki abuvia. It looks like a mixture, uh, like a, a mix-up. That's why if it's, as long if there is you, sorry, you need four amot space. It needs to be a reshup for the atzmo if you like a significant space, and then you just need to leave six tvachim from this vine. And let's just finish the Mishnah, and we'll pick up on this tomorrow. Mitzvahem says va'habayit shebekeren zorinoto. A bayit house within a keren. We'll address this uh, later. That is, um, in other words, it's got vines around it, you can plant inside that house. Now, actually, I'll read him out. He says, You don't say that since this house is surrounded on all sides by vines, that you can't plant inside it. 
that the, in other words, you, you don't say that the mechitzot of the house are no longer significant. Because if you recall, we said by a gut, they're no longer significant. But by a house, we say they are still significant. All right. That's the show today. We will um, pick up tomorrow. Cool. Thank you very much. Hey, did we get a refund on that grade?